0: i um. to
1: Next song is number 621. 621. We're going to sing the first, second, and fourth verses, and then we're going to sing the chorus once. 10,000 angels,
0: 621. <clears> they <throat> Nay,
2: Let's pray at this time. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the beautiful day you've given us. And Father, for this time of year that we can look forward to the spring, but realizing how you take care of us through the winter. Father, we're thankful for our time together tonight. We're thankful for everyone here, every member. We're thankful for every blessing you've shown upon this congregation and upon the congregations around us. We're thankful, Father, to have Brother Barry with us. and He's preached for many, many years, Father in different places and in Greasy Ridge, and we thank you for his work and his love for you and his desire to teach others. We pray your blessings upon him tonight as he teaches us more from your word. Father, we pray your blessings upon the, the many are sick, and, and Brother Barry has, has a daughter that needs prayer. Father, we pray that you'll bless her and them as his family deals with the situations that he has. She has, Father, and we do pray for Sister Kristen Ward that you continue to bless her and and Pam Leap, Father, and and Gary and the family and the things that they've had to face that that remind you so much of the things that Job faced in so many ways and that we all seem to face. It seems like when things happen, uh, more than one thing happens at a time, and and Father, we do know that you're always there to help us to, to overcome those problems and those things that may set us back. Um, but we're thankful that you're there to help us out. Father, we do pray that you'll continue to be with Marvin and Judy Jordan and bless them that they can improve. And, and Mr. Solomon, Junior Solomon, that you'll be with him and, and help him, Father, uh, to give him comfort and strength, Father. Fathers for Sue Powell and, and for others, Father, and we pray for the treatments and, or the uh, tests and things that Brother Dave Trevathan has to go through. We pray that you'll bless him and the things that he has to face so many, Father, within our congregation facing different problems, different issues. We just pray that you'll, you'll be with each one in a special way, Father. Father, we are so thankful that you did send your son and nobody else uh, could have taken our sins away. No angel, no no one we've just sung about could have taken his place. And we're thankful, as Brother Chris mentioned this morning, for the love that, that you showed to us uh, by sending your son and by father his love for us also by obeying you and doing what needed to be done to to give us salvation father we just pray your blessings upon us uh, upon those of our number tonight that maybe aren't christians father that they'll decide to become so tonight father we do thank you also for the many members that we have and and father for the two men that were chosen uh, to be chosen father as deacons uh, for brother dickie parker father and for Greg Sullivan, we just pray that you'll, you'll bless them and their families. Father, we realize that there are many here that that express desires to work and express desires to, to obey you, and, and these two men represent that, and we pray your blessings on them. Pray your blessings upon our congregation that we'll continue continue to grow and continue to show our love for the neighborhood and the family. Father, that you can help us to continue to even uh, be do the mission work, be able to continue to do that for those throughout the world that we are involved with. And we do pray, Father, for each congregation in this area as we swap preachers back and forth. We just, we're just we thankful for every Church of Christ congregation that there is throughout here and throughout the world, and just ask your blessings upon them. Just continue to be with us tonight. Continue to help us in all that we do. And, Father, always forgive us when we sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs>
1: If you want to mark the song of invitation, it's number 739. 739. And then stand and sing. Uh, turn number 571, Seeking the Lost. If you will, please stand. 571. <clears throat> Seeking the lost, yes, kindly entreating, wanderers on the mountain.
3: Good evening, everybody. It is uh, good to be back. Uh, we haven't been able to uh, do this uh, preacher exchange, pulpit exchange, whatever you refer to it as, for some time now because of the wonderful uh, pandemic that uh, just doesn't seem to want to go away. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a great thing, I think. Uh, it helps to remind us that we're one one big Christian family, uh, everywhere, no matter where we are. Uh, the only problem I have is that I've got some family related here that I, I question a little bit, <laughs> but they're not bad when I think about it. They're, they're all right. But, uh, now, we're very glad that you've uh, joined us here this afternoon. So is everybody psyched up for the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Any Bengals fans? Probably, yeah, for sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're gonna miss it. We got a long lesson tonight, okay? <clears throat> I just, uh... yeah. It is game day, and millions of people around the world, football fans, the day they've been waiting for. It's really uh, amazing how many fans watch, you know, the Super Bowl. You know, it's. Uh, estimated, uh, well, last year they said it was like about 91-plus million people watched the Super Bowl on, on TV. And that was even down, you know, from from years before that. Uh, and, you know, that's just a staggering number uh, to me. And uh, you've got a lot of people who are very enthusiastic about it. Uh, when I heard that some gentleman named, what they call him, Mattress Mac, Wagered five million dollars on the Bengals. I'm like, wow! (laughs) Again, that's a number I can't really (laughs) fathom in dollars. But uh, quite a quite a bit of uh, people were very very excited about this game. Wouldn't it be wonderful if if we could get that kind of excitement about the gospel of Jesus Christ? I mean, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that really be something? In a few hours, there's going to be two teams that are going to battle it out on the gridiron, and only one of them, of course, will be able to claim the title of Super Bowl champions, the best team of the year. This evening, I want us to consider just for a few minutes that, that there are some similarities between this big game and, and our lives here on, here on this earth. And we would start with, with this thought you know, we are in a battle. We are are in a battle. I think sometimes with the, you know, the ease of our life, we sometimes forget that. It's kind of easy to, you know, forget that we've got this spiritual battle that we are involved in. But Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6, and a lot of these, you know, verses will be very familiar to us that we refer to this evening, but just important to remind ourselves of of some truths about, about this life. But in Ephesians 6, beginning there in verse 10, Paul says, You know, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He says, put on the whole armor of God. So that right there tells you there's something going on concerning a battle. Put it on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It Sounds like a battle. And it's a hard battle that we fight. And so again, in verse 13, he says, you know, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having stood, you know, to be able to do all. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, Paul tells Timothy you need to endure hardness as a good soldier of of Jesus Christ. So there are two teams as well when you think about it. Just like in the Super Bowl, there there are two teams in this battle that we are engaged in. God's team and Satan's team. However, in life. The stakes are much higher, much higher than in the Super Bowl game that will be played later today. First Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 and 25. As Paul writes, he says, "Know ye not that they which run in a race, they run all but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain." And every man that striveth for the master is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, our Lord tells us about where we need to lay up our treasures. To lay them up in heaven as opposed to here on earth, because we know what happens to everything here on earth It is decaying. Everything here will one day, of course, when, the, when time ends, will be gone completely. And our Lord says, you know, we need to lay up our, our treasures in heaven. An imperishable crown waits us there. You know, the, again, these two teams are going to play in this game, and only one of them will be able to, to you know, uh, claim the name of, of champion. Do you know, even that team that loses, life goes on. It's really, a, you know, be upsetting, but it's, it's nothing in the, in the big scheme of, of the picture. Whereas in this battle that we are involved in, it's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. You know, we're not striving simply to claim we are the champions. Rather, the outcome of the battle that we are in will determine where we spend eternity. And there's only two possible outcomes. Matthew 25 and verse 46, you remember, our Lord says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. That's a huge difference. In the game that is going to be played today, the stakes are so much higher. And it's so important that we understand that as as Christians. The stakes are so much higher. We are in this battle. But it's not just a game. It's not a game. It is is a battle to determine where we will spend our our eternal life. Secondly, think about this. Both of the coaches, if you would allow the phraseology, God and Satan, are busy recruiting people. They're busy recruiting players. You know, our two Super Bowl teams worked hard in the previous offseason to, of course, hire, you know, the best players they possibly could in order to be able to field the strongest team that they possibly could, and in doing so, they... Offer some rather desirable benefits. Well, Satan, he does, he does just that. Now, it is a little different with Satan, though. He, as he recruits people, he's not really interested at all about the quality of his recruits. He's only interested in the quantity, the number of them. You remember back in the book of Job, Job chapter 1, we have an interesting conversation that occurs between, uh, between God and, and Satan. And reading just verses 6 and 7 there of Job 1. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Oh, from going you know, to and from in the earth and from walking up and down in it. You read on, and we know that what he was doing, he was looking for for recruits. And he he promises great rewards. He promises wonderful benefits. He he promises immediate pleasures. He promises a life with basically few or absolutely no restrictions. You know, when, when he is trying to recruit people to him, you know, the, the, the thought process that he presents to them is, do whatever you want. Do what you want. Do, uh, how, do it how you want to. Do it when you want to. Do it in the way that you want to. If it feels good, you know, just, just do it. And that's very appealing to a lot of people. Very appealing to a lot of people because sometimes, you know, we don't We don't like restrictions. So Satan says, you know, if you come and play on my team, no, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. And a lot of people would say, that sounds great. Well, I would have to tell them that they're wrong. It may sound great, but Satan is a, <laughs> he's a liar. Satan works through deceit. His only desire for your soul is to spend eternity in hell where he's going to be. As he tries to recruit people in this life, when he tries to recruit us, that's what he's doing. He wants us to spend eternity with him. Remember what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. He's that roaring lion. You know, He's out seeking whom he may devour. And he's deceitful about it. Because if we really understand and realize that he is this lion, and he's wanting to devour us, he's wanting to devour people, then he's not going to get many players. Again, the key is his deceit. And our Lord says in John chapter 8, and verse 44, that he's a liar, and he's the father of it. He's very convincing. We see that going all the way back to almost the beginning of time, back in the book of Genesis. Began with a lie. It began with deceit, and that's again, that's that's what he does. Over in the book of Second Corinthians, chapter eleven, there's a passage of scripture that's always bothered me. In verse uh, thirteen, beginning there in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, he says. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. That bothers me. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. I mean, it's scary. That Satan can be so deceitful. be so deceitful that he appears to be a servant of christ yet we see it all around us we really do we see it quite often you know in 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 the denominational world and we see people that appear to be servants of christ but in truth truth they're not again our lord would say in john chapter 12 and verse 40 that he hath blinded their eyes He has hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted that I should heal them. Satan is busy trying to recruit players. And he's not going to leave us alone just because we call ourselves a Christian. He's after us. He's after us too, maybe more so. So we must not be deceived. We must remember that Satan's end is not what he promises. Revelation 20 and verse 10. Revelation 20 and verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Well, the good news is that God as well, he's recruiting. He's recruiting players for his team, recruiting souls. We know he says in John 3, 16, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him, you know, should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what he came for. Romans six and verse twenty three, he reminds us that the wages of sin is death. But then on the back half of that verse, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is the Good Shepherd. He's the Good Shepherd, and he talks about that in John chapter ten, and he says that he's come to give us life. In verses ten and eleven, there he says he's come to give us life and that we might have it more abundantly. And when you read that passage there, he talks about being willing to lay down his life for us, which he has done. He is the good shepherd. He is protecting us. He is providing for us. He's giving us all that that we need in this life. Now, he doesn't promise us a rose garden. He doesn't promise us a life as ease if we decide to be his servant, if we decide to be on his team. Because unlike Satan, he doesn't lie about it. He doesn't try to conceal it. In fact, he's he's very, very forward about it. He's very forthcoming about it. Our Lord would say in Matthew 16 and verse 24, you remember if you want to be my disciple, what do you need to do? You've got to deny yourself you got to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. He doesn't try to hide the fact that you know, being a Christian is not always going to be, be that easy. In the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, he says, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. The world's hated me. And he says, if you're going to be my disciple, guess what's going to happen? Same thing. If you were of the world, he says in verse 19, well, then the world would love his own. You'd be part of it. You'd be part of it and and the world would love you. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, he says, therefore. Therefore, the world will hate you. We know that to be be true quite often as we live our Christian lives it's not uncommon for us to to suffer some problems in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 29 as Paul writes he says for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake so our Lord doesn't try to hide the fact That being a Christian is not always going to be the easiest life, the easiest path to follow. Again, he's very forthcoming about the fact that we're going to have some struggles. We're going to have some strife. But he's truthful about it. There's no deceit. There's no deceit. There's no surprises at the end of our journey. No surprises at the end of our journey. He says we'll have eternal life. That's what we'll have. He says we'll have eternal life. We can count on that. Again, Romans 6 and verse 23, you know, there's there's this contrast. The wages of sin lead to death and destruction. But the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life. So it comes down to making a, a decision as to whose team are you gonna be on? Whose team are you gonna be on? You know, again, we'll, most of us will probably go home and we'll watch this game here in a few hours. And again, there'll be a, there'll be a winner and a loser. Well, as we live this life, The decisions we make will determine whether or not we will be a winner or a loser. Those who win are those who are on God's team. Because Jesus has already, He's already decided the victory for us overall. We know who wins, you know, it's one thing that's different. We're not really sure who's going to win the game here this afternoon, but we know who wins this battle. For Jesus has already won the battle for us as he's gone to that cross and he rose from that grave. You go back to Revelation chapter 20. Verse 10, you remember the devil that was deceived is cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And in verse 11, he says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. See, the overall battle. The big picture has been won. But God gives us a thing that we refer to as free will. Our choice. He didn't want robots or he would have made robots. He made us with free will. With the ability to choose. And what he's done for us is he's provided for us here in his word through through his Holy Spirit. Everything we need to know about making a decision. Everything we need to know. And he says, you know, if you'll be on my team, if you'll play for me, you'll have a home in heaven. He's given us everything that we need to know. The question I guess that we would ask ourselves this evening, or should ask ourselves, is, is our name written in that book of life. It's our name written in that book of life. 7, uh, Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. Paul says very similar to what we just read there in Revelation. That one day we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. and We're going to receive the things that we deserve. So whose team are you on? Whose team are you on this evening? If you might be here and you're not a Christian. I would encourage you to think seriously about your eternity. And make a decision to be on God's team. If you're struggling with that, Satan's deceiving you. He's lying to you about what life could really be. You have an opportunity to repent of your sins, confess Jesus to be the Son of God, and be baptized to wash your sins away. If you're here this evening and you've done that, but your life's not what it should be, maybe Satan has wormed his way in and it's starting to drive you away from God, you have an opportunity to make that right. Whatever it might be, if you need to respond to the gospel call, hope you will while we stand and while we sing this song.
0: Thank you.
4: Good evening, church family. Very great lesson, brother. Appreciate you. Um, As a reminder, uh, there's the teen devotional uh, after uh, services. Middle schoolers, if y'all want to stay too, we're meeting in the middle auditorium. Um, We're going to play a game, not Super Bowl. We're going to play a game called Halo Ball. And Jason's already heard himself on it. so we may have to put him on the prayer list. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's a lot of fun. I've waited for a while for, for this game, but uh, y'all are welcome to play uh, uh, with us as well. Um, also, remember, there's a, the sign-up sheet's on the four-year board. Uh, we have a lot going on to sign up for. We need snacks for CYC. There's also Young at Heart this Tuesday, and also the men's retreat on uh, March 18th through the 19th at Howes Mill. So if you're planning on going to those, please sign up before you leave uh, this evening. Remember, to continue to keep Marvin Jordan in your prayers as he goes through rehab. Remember, to continue to keep Pam Leap in your prayers as she recovers at home. Uh, remember, to continue to pray for Sue Powell as she has eye surgery on the 23rd. And also keep James and Kristen in your prayers as well. And also keep me in your prayers as I have tests test uh, this week as well and next week. Um, that's all the announcements I have. <laughs> that's all the announcements I have. Uh, if you had not had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, it has been prepared for you in the conference room. You may leave and do that now. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer.
1: number 669, six, six, nine. we're going to sing the last verse only,
0: <clears throat> verse 3, this is my father's word,
3: let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day and for all that you've blessed us with. And thank you for letting us come together and learn more about your word. And thank you for the lesson tonight and just let us take it and use it in our everyday lives, Lord. And thank you for the elders, deacons, and Chris and Dave, and for everything that they do for this congregation, Lord. And be with those who are sick, watch over them. And thank you for your son dying on the cross for our sins. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.